0: This is a Timit podcast. This podcast is part of the series On the Marge. The title of this episode is French Connection. French Connection. Popular wisdom warns against judging a book by its cover. Vincent certainly reinforced that. It really wasn't clear at first, even what kind of book he was. Most guests at the Walnut Crescent Bend breakfast stay for two or three nights, as they sample the tourist attractions Whitehorse has to offer. Business visitors to Yukon sometimes stay for a week. So when Vincent made a reservation for two people for 14 days, We considered it a good run. Vincent's email indicated that they would be arriving on the plane from Vancouver after midnight, so I let him know how to find the house, that a key would be in the mailbox, and which room was theirs. I heard some muffled noise during the night in the direction of the room and the flush of the toilet. I was thus quite surprised when Vincent showed up alone for breakfast. Vincent was from France in his mid-twenties, Heavily built, beard shadow, and a rumpled shirt. His accent was heavy, and he struggled with basic English grammar. Most European tourists to B&B wanted to practice their English, not Vincent. He was quite relieved when he discovered that I spoke French, so he didn't speak English to me again. As he enthusiastically devoured the two breakfasts I had set out on the table, he explained that his girlfriend was delayed. And would show up later because he had arrived by taxi and didn't have a car i told him how to catch the bus downtown and made sure he knew that he was on his own for lunch and dinner vincent was much more interested in finding out the password to our wireless network so he could check his email using the laptop computer he had brought with him vincent appeared at supper time with a baguette under one arm in what i assumed was very french style and a big package of bacon under the other arm, in what he perhaps assumed was very Canadian style. He had visited the McBride Museum, the SS Klondike, and every store on Main Street. He had ridden the waterfront trolley end-to-end four times. He made it clear he did not think much of Whitehorse. As he fried his bacon, I tried to interest him in a visit to the hydro dam and the fish ladder or perhaps a hike out to Miles Canyon and historic Canyon City, all of which were within walking range of downtown. Unlike typical tourists who came to Yukon, he didn't seem the least bit interested in anything that required physical effort. And the closest he had to athletic clothing was a pair of canvas-soled tennis shoes. After Vincent finished eating his bread and bacon, he left the greasy frying pan on the stove and disappeared into his room without mentioning any more about his girlfriend's arrival. He emerged only the next morning, and again gobbled up both breakfasts I had prepared. Then we started a routine that continued almost to his last day with us. I asked him about himself and his girlfriend, and he reluctantly gave me the strict minimum of information, one bit at a time. It was only over the better part of two weeks that we pieced together the whole story, or so we thought. Vincent lived in a little village outside Paris, with his parents. He had never been to Canada before. In fact, he had never been outside France before. He had been to Paris once. He worked in a small insurance agency. He liked playing computer games on the internet. He had never been skiing and had never played tennis. He didn't even have a driver's license, but thought that driving would not be too difficult because he had done it quite often in video games. His girlfriend was Australian, a doctor, part of Doctors Without Borders, doing frontier medicine in Alaska. She was a brain surgeon. There had been a big traffic accident in Alaska that required a lot of brain surgery. That's why she was late. They had met on the Internet, in a game-playing site. They had never actually met in person. That's why he had come to Whitehorse, to meet her. She would be driving up from Anchorage. He pronounced it Enchourage. How far was it to Anchorage? He hadn't realized it was about 1,100 kilometers. He thought it was more like an hour or two. My husband, Chuck, came up with a plausible theory. I'll bet there's no girlfriend at all, he said. Vincent seems like a real mama's boy. Never been away from home. Never been exposed to the cruel realities of the outside world. Spends his time in the artificial world of internet gaming. I'll bet that he's been sucked into some kind of joke, a hoax. Although he might believe the girlfriend is real. I'll bet she's actually the creation of some beer-drinking university students in Florida who are just seeing how far they can string poor Vincent along over the internet. Make them fly to Whitehorse. I'll bet they're really laughing now to see how long they can stretch this out. Indeed, this theory seemed more and more plausible as time went on, and the reasons for the girlfriend's non-appearance became less and less believable. Her car had suffered a major mechanical failure. Then her car was fixed, and she headed towards Whitehorse, but had to turn back when she hit a moose. There was a bear outside her house, and then a wolf, so she couldn't get to her car. Oops, more brain surgery. She then suddenly revealed that she was probably lesbian, and that her jealous girlfriend didn't want her to drive to Whitehorse to meet up with a male internet friend from France. I tried to interest Vincent in taking a bus tour to Skagway or Dawson. After all, we might as well get something out of coming halfway around the world even if his mythical girlfriend never showed up. However, he stayed in his room playing with his computer all day, every day, venturing out only to walk to the Super a to get more bread and bacon. I bet miffed that by now I was only serving him one breakfast. I did manage to drag him out on a walk with me one afternoon down by McIntyre Creek. He repeatedly refused the mosquito repellent I offered him, I guess his body chemistry wasn't used to North American insects because he was covered in red, splotchy welts for three days. Vincent was due to leave on the Saturday morning flight to Vancouver. On Thursday, he surprised us by announcing that his girlfriend would finally arrive on Friday evening at 6.30 p.m., having overcome her work and personal commitments and somehow managed to elude the errant wildlife to secure adequate transportation. I'll believe it only when I see her, declared my husband. At 6 p.m., Vincent was uncharacteristically sitting in the living room, staring out the window instead of playing with his computer in his room. At 6.15, he was nervously tapping his foot. At 6.25, he was anxiously standing by the window and peering up and down the street. Finally, when the taxi pulled up at the driveway at 6.55, A distraught Vincent rushed out, banging the door behind him. Give them some privacy, I ordered Chuck. Look, they've never actually met. Let them be. Chuck peered out the bathroom window. She's not bad looking at all, he exclaimed. I expected a female version of Vincent. You know, some pasty white game player. The taxi had disappeared, and Vincent stood talking with the young woman in the driveway. After about 15 minutes, the two came in the front door. Vincent introduced us to Brandy. She was quite attractive. Average height, with medium-length blonde hair and grey eyes. She was wearing a long wraparound skirt and fresh white blouse and carried a small overnight bag. So, you're a doctor, I said in an attempt at innocuous conversation. Oh, yes, replied Brandy giggling. Brain surgery is a very busy business. There's more work than I can handle sometimes. You know, I never seem to get ahead. Ahead. Ahead! You get it? She laughed again. She didn't sound Australian. She glanced at Vincent. Maybe we should go to the bedroom now, she suggested. I'm kind of tired after my long flight. She took Vincent by the hand and he looked nervous. Which way, she said. She and Vincent disappeared into the bedroom. Chuck watched them go and then said, "Okay, so I got it all wrong, I admit it. There was a real girl after all. I said nothing. I read the evening paper as Chuck cleaned up the kitchen. About 20 minutes later, we started to hear sounds from the bedroom. At first, it was just giggles. Female giggles. Then it was moans, followed by gasps, and then several cries of what was definitely passion. "'What do you think they're doing in there, anyway?' asked Alex, our six-year-old daughter. Even Quark, the dog, lifted his head to listen and stared at me quizzically. "'Oh, I don't know,' I said carefully. "'I suppose they're just making each other happy.' "'Oh, you mean making love?' observed Alex. "'You don't make noises like that when you make love.' she said to us somewhat accusingly. "'Remind me again how old you are,' said Chuck uncomfortably, "'and how you know about making love.' "'Oh, everyone knows,' replied her daughter. "'It's on the Internet. "'You lock your bedroom door when you make love. "'I've listened by the door, but your noises aren't that loud. "'But when you make love, you both make some noise. "'I I don't hear Vincent at all. "'She is the one making all the noise.' "'I think we should all go for a walk,' I declared firmly." lifting Quirk's collar off the hook by the door and buckling it around his neck. In the morning, Vincent and Brandy appeared, looking somewhat disheveled, and sat down at the kitchen table where I laid out breakfast for both of them. Sleep well, I asked. Oh no, replied Brandy with forced enthusiasm. Vincent kept me up all night. You know how these French guys are. "'I thought you were lesbian,' asked Chuck bluntly. "'He still thought there was something strange "'about the whole situation. "'Oh, well, uh, I'm going to have to rethink all that "'after a night with Vincent. "'He's such a wonderful lover,' Brandy rolled her eyes and sighed. "'What's a lesbian?' asked Alex. "'Look it up in the internet,' I suggested as I poured the coffee. "'The taxi came and I said goodbye. "'Chuck helped Vincent and Brandy carry their things outdoors,' although they could have managed alone. When the taxi had gone, Chuck came in and said, "Okay, I was really wrong, but how does a geek like Vincent end up with a babe like Brandy? Lesbos is in Greece, Alex called from the computer in the other room. I've never met anyone from Greece before. A week later, I was walking along Main Street when I spotted Brandy sitting on a bench near the Elijah Smith building. She was needing an ice cream cone and wearing a T-shirt that was just a bit too tight and a skirt that was just a bit too short. Surprised, I couldn't help blurting out, Brandy, what are you doing here? I thought you'd be back in Alaska by now. It took several seconds for Brandy's blank expression to change to recognition. Oh, you're the lady from the B&B, she said without enthusiasm. But isn't there a lot of brain surgery to do in Alaska, I asked not understanding what was going on. I, I mean, there sure was a week or two ago. Brandy laughed. Oh, I'm not a brain surgeon, she said. That dipstick, Vincent, just paid me to go along with his story. He saw my ad on the internet and hired me to play the role. Hired you? I was confused. Look, lady, said Brandy, I'm like what you might call a, an escort. That sounds a lot nicer than hooker. I didn't know we had that sort of thing in Whitehorse. Oh, well, I guess we do, but I don't know much about it. I was embarrassed. You don't look like an escort. Brandy shrugged. (laughs) What does an escort look like? Actually, I go to university in Vancouver, and I only come up here in the summer to make enough to pay for books and tuition and food and such. I'm a specialist. I specialize in outdoor sex. The German tourists love that sort of thing. You know, sex in a forest... Sex on top of a mountain. One day two guys wanted sex in the snow. We had to hike up a mountain to find that. It was, well, kind of cool. Well, you and Vincent sounded like you were having fun together, I said a bit too quickly. But I was curious. Is it true that Frenchmen are great lovers? Brandy snorted. (laughs) Oh, not Vincent, that's for sure. But we heard... I stopped. I realized I was being very indiscreet. No, said Brandy. That was all part of the act. Vincent paid me to pretend we were having great sex. He wanted to convince you that he wasn't a real loser. Since he was paying me, I went along with it. Was I a good actor? Were my passion and ecstasy really convincing? I squirmed and Brandy grinned, enjoying my discomfort. Brandy continued. I figured that since he had hired me anyway, he might as well get some fun out of it. But I couldn't even get him to take off his shirt let alone his pants. He slept on top of the bed with all his clothes on. Every time I turned over, he leapt up, probably thinking I was going to rape him. It was actually pretty boring, but easy money just the same. I shifted awkwardly from one foot to another. I didn't know what to say. ''Okay, you can move along now,'' said Brandy, glancing up at two tall blonde men who were walking by, obviously checking her out. ''You're scaring away business.'' I turned and fled, too embarrassed to say anything else. No, it's not a good idea to judge a book by its cover. And after all, that's why it's called a cover. This has been a timid podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmit.ca slash podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.